0: hello all welcome back i am your host charles musgrove of the answers that count podcast thank you for joining us for another great show hey do me a favor hit the like button hit the subscribe button hit the bell the notification button too that way you'll be notified when we post another video we're on all your favorite podcast channels whether you're listening or watching make sure that you subscribe to the channel you know what we do we try to bring those knowledge nuggets to you on a weekly basis We've got people from all different sectors of business, and today we are we are really honored to have Miles Bradley with Capital City Bank with us today. Miles, thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: It's going to be a great show. Miles is we almost gave him a promotion before the show got started. He is a, a vice president with Capital Assets with Capital City Bank. Now Miles is located over in Tallahassee, Florida, but Capital City they're out, they're they have branches located in the Southeast. So Miles, tell us a little bit about your expertise, what you focus on with the bank, and you can even drop in some some great information about Capital City Bank.
1: Well, Capital City Bank, uh, we just celebrated our 125th year. Uh, so we have a book out, If I think you can download it on Amazon. Uh, And what I do is I specialize in working capital for businesses, and that typically means lending on their accounts receivable or inventory. Right. Uh, I also run the factoring portfolio, and we just started uh, a fairly new product in the banking world called supply chain finance.
0: All right. So I'm not a banking guy. I'm an accounting guy, CPA, but I deal with businesses that... They're getting loans right now. They've had the PPP loans. It looks like the you've been in competition with the federal government recently with the with the federal government just putting all this money into the economy and making it it really easy for businesses to obtain loans with the PPP loans, the idle loans. Uh, now they've got the ERTC credits. So there's just a lot of I'll I'll call it not free money, but there's a lot of easy money that's out there right now that. That is coming from the federal government and not the banks.
1: Yeah. Uh, back in April and May when the first round of PPP came out. Right. Uh, it was it was a pretty big impact to my area because that's what I do. You know, we lend on businesses accounts receivables. Like, And if for you who don't know what that means, uh, like you sell something to Walmart, it takes them... 30 60 90 days to pay you right we finance that period in between when you deliver the goods and services until you get paid and so with the ppp first round you know the first round there were very few restrictions at all and the federal government did put out i mean they put out basically two and a half months worth of working capital for most of these businesses so um it did slow down my department but it also increased the credit quality because we, we saw the account debtors, that would be the client's client, like the Walmart in this example, um, they they sped up their payment terms right. and there was less collection time. So there was some positive impacts to my area too. Uh, but I think it, it helped the businesses, most importantly, stay open. But yeah, there was free money floating around that definitely competed with some of the banking products.
0: Yeah, so you see the... We've had a lot of discussion on the show here actually about uh, where the economy is going. We've had a professor from FSU, economics professor, talk about the economic impact of all this money that's being flooded into the market, what's happening to our, our GDP compared to the, the the annual deficit that we're we're incurring. So we're spending, and this, this is not anything new for, for 2020 or 2021, but we're spending, as a federal government, as a nation, we're spending more money annually than we're taking in so we're running a deficit and when you compare that to the gdp we're in It's getting worse. It's not getting better So if you look at all the I like to say in 2020 was the was the year that We've added a trillion dollars to our normal day conversation It's like a trillion dollars used to be what a million or a hundred thousand was in uh, back in the old days now Now we're just spending a trillion dollars per surplus per Per stimulus plan, and we've got this 1.9 million trillion dollar stimulus plan that's queued up right now. So, you know, where does it stop? You've heard Janet Yellen talking about there's going to be something big, something even bigger than the 1.9 trillion, as if that's not big enough. So, where do you see that? And th- this is kind of a macro look, and kind of out of your 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 department at Capital City Bank. But what happens on the macro level? What do you see as a banker that's happening? to the economy and the debt and the spending that the federal government is doing
1: uh well it's clearly reduced the cost of interest the cost of funds and you can see that um, impacting the residential market right. i mean the housing market's on fire uh, i've never seen it like this you know I, I i wasn't a banker during the last downturn so i i, I didn't experience that But, I mean, this is the hottest I've seen the residential market since I've been a banker. Uh, What they're doing differently this time, you know, they have, uh, you have to support your revenue reduction for this PPP round. So I think they're trying to, you know, rein in some of the government aid a little bit. So you have to prove that you're in need. Uh, Back in the beginning, I, I don't know that not doing anything would, wouldn't, i don't know what that would have done i'm because we didn't know the virus spread they sent people home uh you basically shut down businesses by force and i think that those businesses actually going out of business going into bankruptcy laying off people would probably been more detrimental to the entire economy so uh i think that the second round of PPP is better. It's targeted for um, businesses that need. Uh, I think that that should be the approach going forward. I don't know what it will be because, you know, we have a new administration. But I think the targeted really impacted uh, industries, and especially the ones that have kind of been forced to shut down by the government or, or restrict their sales or right. capacity. I mean, that's a government order. That's basically like... A taking, I like mean, yeah. you shut it down, so the government, if they shut you down, they have to compensate. Yeah, I them.
0: totally agree with that. And there's a,
1: but it is a risk for the economy. Yeah, you know, all the debt we're taking on. I mean, Yeah, I mean, that's fair.
0: Yeah, and there's um, not to get into the veer off into the political discussion on this, so that you can take sides one way or the other. But the fact is that there's a lot of money that's been flooded into the economy, and it's coming from the 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 the, the federal government, which means that technically has to be paid back in the future so then it then it the numbers just get so huge that it it really brings into doubt whether or not we'll be able to pay that back or when and what happens to the strength of the dollar because as you know the 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 dollar is backed by trust and hope and faith and not a gold standard or any other standard so you did
1: do a podcast on bitcoin right we have (laughs) if you lose faith in the dollar (laughs)
0: we have done that so we have talked about bitcoin and you know what's uh what what really happens when when uh people get worried about the security in the markets and we look we're looking at these bubbles right now they go to scarce assets so that's really where a lot of the smart money is going now is in scarce assets so scarce assets are real estate i mean there's only so much real estate and then prime real estate and then uh, a lot of people call Bitcoin a scarce asset, even though it's a digital, you can't touch it. It's a digital, it's a digital asset. So yeah, I mean, I think that is, uh, that m- really makes people pay attention to what's going on in the markets. We've got so many bubbles right now. We've got a, I think you'll acknowledge we have a debt bubble. We've got, as you as you said, a, a housing bubble. So you've look, you look at the housing prices, especially in, in the state of Florida. I think in the at least in Northwest Florida, we've seen a record year in 2020 with, with the demand for housing and the pricing for housing. I mean, people are they're le- fleeing other states, coming to Florida, buying real estate sight unseen. And they're, it's not like they're buying a, a $10,000 lean-to. They're buying million-dollar homes in the state of Florida without even stepping foot in them. So the, the, the demand is, is really just off the chain when it comes to the housing market. And Miles, we talked about this before. There's a there's a definite correlation between the cost of money, interest rates, and that housing bubble.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not willing to say it's a bubble yet because, uh, like you said, there are people coming in from out of state, especially South Florida. Um, I have a buddy that does a similar business that I do down in Delray Beach, and he was telling me just about the influx of New Yorkers, New Jersey, Um, coming down, buying property, one, that's most of their dreams their whole life anyway, right? Right. And then all the restrictions um, and, you know, people for the first time that I can remember are fleeing urban areas. So, you know, I don't know that it's a bubble yet. It could be, but uh, it's definitely with people. With the cost of money uh making your ability to buy more house, right? And and the uh, demand drives up the price, I definitely think that there's inflation risk. Right. Uh that's probably the biggest immediate risk is there's gonna be some inflation risk and you know, is there gonna be the future demand to support that or or is it a bubble? I hope not. because. Uh, we saw the bubble last time, so I'm hoping that it's just the increase of people wanting to move to Florida for the weather and uh, maybe less restrictions in some other places, so they can do more.
0: Yeah, you know we've got several factors in play now, and a lot of it's just driven by what happened in 2020 with with COVID and with the like you said, the government forcing these businesses to shut down or reducing their their capacity. And a lot of states they're still living through this reduced capacity at at a minimum. So that forces people to leave and go to places where they can earn money, where they can earn a living. So it's, um, yeah, I think that, that if you had it all to do over again, would there be the force shutdown that we went through in 2020? I don't know. But, um, if the government forced that, then like you said, it really makes sense for them to come in and, and help support those businesses. And
1: you know, we look at it kind of with our southeastern goggles, right? Hmm. Um, but I have some participation loans with some banks out west where their their states were restricted much more than Florida and Georgia, right? Um, and you can see from some of their clients' income statements that the government shutdowns you know, it looks a lot different on their income statement than maybe someone in Florida and Georgia. And so there are parts of the country where, I mean, it, it's been drastically more impacted than our region. And I think we take that for granted sometimes is, you know, a lot of businesses didn't fully shut down in Florida, but they did in a lot of states and, you know, we had to do something. So I think the the first round of PPP was good. I like what they've done with the support, um, you have to support your revenue reduction, right, and right. you were impacted. Uh, they made it much more challenging to get the PPP and process it this time for sure from a bank side. But yeah, I I think that as a country, we're gonna see if these people were you know moving here, and you know the home demand. The home demand also, I think we talked about it earlier, could be that people were cooped up in their house and just getting tired of seeing it, feeling cramped. Maybe both spouses are working from home. Uh, and they say, I can't do this. And so they just want bigger house. You yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I imagine within the next year, we'll have a pretty good idea. Yeah. I
0: think there's a lot in flux when it comes to real estate. We see what's happened in the real the, uh, your, the personal residence. And then we see there's an impact over on the commercial real estate as well. So, as those people are fleeing the big cities then what does that do to the commercial real estate market in those big cities
1: i think the big cities are going to have a a really hard time rebounding uh, like the new yorks the la's the chicago's i mean if you're paying for real estate in manhattan um, you're paying to be in manhattan and if your people can't go in the office and you're probably getting taxed higher oh, you're yeah. paying uh, a higher price per square foot for sure and everybody is forced to work from home, and all of a sudden you notice, well, we're pretty efficient doing this. Yeah. Uh, Are you staying in Manhattan? Uh, Probably not.
0: Yeah, I think that's a... I mean, we've seen, just anecdotally, we've seen people, we've seen the news reports on people leaving New York. We've seen them leaving California. There's been a lot of uh, big players that have left California, and they're leaving because of the tax situation and compounded with... Uh, the restrictions that have been placed on them in those states. So I think we'll see that
1: continue. And I think Florida and Texas, I mean, Texas is clearly um, the beneficiary of like a Tesla. Right. Uh, Florida, you know, Rick Scott, when he was the governor, spent a lot of his time recruiting New York companies down. And that could also drive up, you know, it's driving the demand for houses. I think the CRE market is going to look a little differently because some people are going to say hey i don't need this prime real estate and this much um i have a client through a participation in park city utah and they were paying something around fifteen thousand dollars a month for 12 offices uh park city's a pretty expensive place but they started when they started working from home uh, they decided they got with their landlord they did a sublease with a tenant and they kept two offices in a boardroom right one so the assistant can be there to check mail process anything that comes in one for a flex situation like someone needs to come in they have construction the in-laws are in town they can't work whatever right and then a boardroom for client meetings and you know yeah. they love it and it saved them ten thousand dollars a month so um i think it'll look different and yeah some, you know there's a theory that with the cre market that there will still be the demand because people are going to say we're going back to the office, but we need to be spread out more. Right. Um, we need, you know, personal bubbles.
0: Right. Yes. I definitely see that, that the, that the, it's going to change. There's people are going to adapt to that. And I think the scenario you just, you just described where they have the access to a boardroom, they have flex space so that they can come in and work. They still need that physical presence of, of some type of office uh, but they don't need as much room as they had before. They don't need all the dedicated offices they had before or they may may make the decision like you said that they need they still need an office setting, but they need to have their their bubble space. so they don't need to be in a in a group uh, room where they have a bunch of people in one room on top of each other. so you can see that definitely changing uh the bigger the office, the bigger the the uh the commitment that you have, probably the more risk that is of
1: changing. I mean, I'd imagine there'll be a, a smaller appetite for like your strip centers, strip centers getting financed, um, you know, just because there are very few credit tenants left. You, you, of course, everybody wants a Publix, right? Right. Uh, but who goes in those side ones? You know, it's probably not a credit tenant. It's probably a mom and pop shop. And, you know, they're they were competing with Amazon and Walmart and all these places already. And then COVID happens, people leaving the house less. Um, some people are getting more comfortable buying things from Amazon, right. and Walmart online. So um, I don't see that coming back as quickly as maybe uh, a office type space, you know, where you can just spread out or you may sublease it with another company where you all can share a border and That's you true. Know, you just have a couple dedicated offices. But uh, so I think there will be some office space demand still. I don't. I don't know about the strip centers. I'm not a CRE specialist. so I'm not gonna speculate too much, but I would think that would um, have a reduced appetite for sure. So you're looking, you're helping the bank
0: right now process these uh, PPP loans, the round two. So the uh, the PPP loans have been very popular. The 50 SBA 504 loans and the 7A loans. So I know they've they've changed. Uh, even the requirements on the 504 and the 7a loans to make them again easier for the for the borrower to obtain those loans and to reduce some of the fees on that. So let's kind of let's go through some of those. Let's start with with the PPP round two. So let's put that, those uh, bullet points up on the screen,
1: John. Well, you know what I've seen from PPP round two, uh, we had a bunch of people they got the first round won't apply. Not everybody qualified because they didn't have the 25% revenue reduction. And and how that worked is you could pick any quarter um, and compare it to the previous year. So all you needed was one quarter uh, like Q2 to be slow, you know, 25% reduced from Q2 and 19 from 20. Uh, some people, you know, you saw them have great fourth quarters and maybe not lost money for the year, but they still had a 25% reduction in that quarter. Right. Uh, I think demand is slightly higher than we anticipated. Uh, the demand for, for PPTP round two? Yeah, and uh, it's also been a lot more difficult because the first round, the SBA basically had no firewalls, you know, people in the industry. And if you submitted it, you attested to it, And you put in your tax ID and your payroll information, you got through. The second round, they, you know, you hear about the people that bought Lamborghinis and all this with their fraudulent money. So they tried to stop that. And it really slowed uh, the approval process. It caused a lot of errors that, you know, some of them were correct. Some of them, you know, it, it says the business tax ID is submitted as a social. And that's the exact same number, just the hyphens in the wrong place. Right. And that could have taken a week to get cleared up because um, the SBA clearly isn't staffed, probably nor should they be, for this type of demand at one time. Um, but, you know, it's been much more difficult. They, they have restrictions on certain types of industries. Um, you know, and it, mainly it's going off of your NIC code. So, you know, if you're uh, a 72- where your hospitality, whether that's restaurant or hotel, you get three and a half times versus two and a half times. Um, if you have a 52, you could be a, like one that I've been working for two weeks. It's a pawn shop, but because there are 52, so are lenders in your net code. And it, lenders aren't eligible. And to get somebody with the authority to look at that and say, This isn't a lender; they're mainly a jeweler. Right. Uh, It's been extremely difficult. It's happened, and as uh, I think that the pipeline frees up, some of the SBA staff. I mean, it's been getting better and faster.
0: So when you when you're this this goes back even like it was in PPP round one, when you said two and a half times, we're still still it's still a payroll
1: based program, so it's two and a half months. Of um uh, either your twenty nineteen or your twenty twenty payroll. Right. So it's two
0: and a half months of your payroll over those periods that they that they allow for in the program. So now they've allowed for if you're in the hospitality based on your your NIC code, then you're able to get three and a half months. Three and three
1: and a half times, yeah. And it's pretty substantial in some cases, yeah. you know. Um the uh, we've seen a lot of the hospitality industry, and you know some in the hospitality industry are event planners, right? And those types no of events. venues, right? And the guy told me, you know, I built this building. We were having two events with two hundred people a week, um, and I got my, you know, I got licensed and to move into this new building, start doing this in February of twenty twenty. Well, yeah, that's when it like, all shut down. I, I put all my eggs in this basket to have a virus come up and nobody wants a 200 person event, right? Um, nor should they probably right now, but, um, uh, you don't think about those types of things when you think about the restaurants and hospitalities, but you know, people caterers, right. You know, with these big venues, some of these people work four or five nights a week doing these things and now you have a drastically reduced audience Yeah, and maybe once every two weeks. So, uh is a big change it does it is nice that you are able to help as frustrated as i can get with the sba when you see someone that you know clearly needs it um, no fault of their own restrictions in place uh, and you can help them and know that they can pay their employees that that does give you the motivation to you know keep plowing through these absolutely as, as frustrating as it can be yeah
0: it's got i mean it's definitely is is needed and it's necessary for there's a lot of businesses that are suffering and i do uh, give credit to the to the program and how it was set up that that money is designed to be used to pay employees so what you're doing is you're keeping paychecks coming to employees instead of them being unemployed and lining up at the unemployment line
1: yeah and what you know one thing i wanted to point out Um, A lot of sole proprietors don't think they're eligible because it's just them. Yeah. But they are. Uh, And, you know, they can get two and a half times their net income on Schedule C. Um, And it's shocking, you know, sometimes if you run across somebody that you may work with normally through it and you're like, hey, I don't think I've seen your PPP app. And they're like, well, I didn't think I qualified. Like how many people actually don't think that they qualify that may? And so with this – podcast, you know, hopefully I can tell some people who are struggling, you may qualify, you know, contact your banker, uh, wherever you are. I mean, it, it could be impactful for keeping your business to flow and you probably qualify unless you're a lender or, you know, some ineligible, uh, they made even some nonprofits eligible this time that was that were not eligible last time. Right. Um, uh, the only thing, the only one I've seen that's not eligible is a 501 C7, which I've seen one of those, but they've opened it up because normally nonprofits are not.
0: Is a C seven? Is that a pack or what is a C7? Uh, the C
1: seven? Is a member-owned club. Okay. Uh, and so, uh, you know, normally the nonprofits can't get SBA loans, like churches right. and these things. But the SBA has opened up seven A requirements because PPP technically falls under a seven A, uh, so that the during these PPP rounds. You can, you can do non-profits, Uh, you you know, there's some commercial real estate stuff that normally, I think, you know, the SBA tries to focus on owner-occupied type of... uh, Right, for the five... So,
0: broad brush, the PPP program round two is uh, based on payroll, either Mm -hmm. two and a half or three and a half months of payroll, and you have to demonstrate a decline in business from... 2020 to the comparison period in a previous year, same quarter, same quarter, both years. And the total amount that you can qualify, is there a limit on that?
1: Yeah. They, so round one, if you didn't get a round one, you can apply under round one now, and that's 10 million. If you're going up for a second draw, it's capped at 2 million. 2 million. So
0: PPP round two is capped at 2 million, even if you did get round one,
1: it's only capped at two million. If you got round one, okay. If you didn't get round one, you can um, apply under the first draw okay. requirements, and you could still get ten.
0: Okay. And what is the what are what what are they saying as how long this money is going to be available?
1: Um, they they've only been releasing it once a week, and last week there was a hundred million of I think two hundred eighty four billion. Sorry, that's a billion, not a. A billion, b. Uh, but last week, uh, there all these errors that I've been telling you about. These holds, right? Uh, I read that Wells Fargo, Bank of America, and Chase, they submitted of their submissions, which are hundreds of thousands of applications. They have between a thirty and a fifty percent error. Wow! So we we're high. at a hundred billion dollars last week with the big boys having a thirty to fifty percent error. Uh, so if that was you know I imagine over the past 10 days they were le at Sunday as of today uh, I couldn't see how we're not over 150 to 175 billion because uh, I think there'll be a pop because they let some lenders certify some of the smaller errors that you can right. resolve yourself and so I would imagine that you're, you're gonna have a significant pop over the last week because some of those errors are getting they are getting cleared
0: up so of the 1.9 trillion how much what's the total amount that that um they're looking at spending in this round two Uh,
1: 284 billion 284 billion is is the ppp budget for so they're over
0: half you you expect by the end of this week they'll be over half of that yeah uh, i certainly do okay so they're probably another month that these that the money is going to be available
1: yeah, I think it ends March thirty first. March thirty first, um, so, yeah. but it could it's sometime in March, so don't hold me to it. Google it, cool. um, but yeah, it ends in March. But I imagine it doesn't all get used, but a significant portion of it will.
0: Okay, let's go. Let's jump to a couple of the other SBA programs, and we've we've got them up on the screen now. So people are probably cheating heads. So roll back one, John. So so we have the the seven A program. Uh, the 7A is another program, uh, Tell, just kind of broad so, brush, what explain what that would be targeted for. Um,
1: it's usually owner occupied, it's either equipment or real estate. Uh, it's a guaranteed loan, unlike the 504, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, and it was typically, they'd guarantee 75%. The SBA has said that they will increase their guarantee. To 90% as long as their guarantee does not exceed three million seven hundred fifty thousand.
0: So that guarantee is a benefit to the bank. So
1: which is probably a benefit to the client because the bank probably wouldn't make the you know right so
0: exactly. So it's a float. There's no less uh, collateral requirements on the on the borrower, but what it does is it most likely loosens up. The uh, the restrictions that the bank would would uh, apply and, to that borrower,
1: and they they waived the guarantee fee, uh, the guarantee fee, the, and the annual servicing fee for the life of that loan. Okay, so that that's a big deal. So
0: in a million dollar seven um, eight loan, what would that guarantee fee be?
1: Uh, it would any it depends on the type of loan, but it would have been anywhere from one and a half to three basically three and a half percent three point seven five so that could have been fifteen
0: uh, thirty five thousand
1: dollars yeah and um, you'd pay probably fifty to seventy five basis points for your annual guarantee and servicing fee right and, and so it's a pretty impactful number they uh, and part of the servicing fee is waived on the bank to encourage us to you know obviously make more business loans right so.
0: yeah that's a that's a big incentive and the um I know we've got that up there. So the, the 7A typically is for equipment, and the and the amortization period on that is, is a lot shorter. It's about like 10 years?
1: Uh, I don't know that off the top of my head. But I was going to say, um, the they also, with the 7A, something that we typically don't do, but a lot of lenders do, the 7As are used for the blue sky financing. Right, exactly. Um, I think. Goodwill's a technical term, right, but you know if you're buying a company over the asset book price, whatever the premium you paid is goodwill, and most banks won't finance that, but with the s b a guarantee for that, you know you can uh make it make more sense for the bank to lend that if there's a higher guarantee on it, so um uh, I think that it that may help with some acquisitions over the next year for sure,
0: yeah, I think. That's a that's a good sign. That's a positive sign that hopefully that will incentivize businesses to be sold and, and even even uh, purchased. So that's good. So and this, then
1: uh, I don't know if you want to talk about the SBA Express. This is one. Yeah, that, absolutely. That we haven't done many of at The bank, but uh, you can use it for a line of credit for working capital or a term loan. Uh, it's typically been capped at three hundred and fifty thousand. Um, they increased it through, I believe, October um, to a million. And they said in October, they're permanently raising the, the cap to half a million dollars, which uh, I think is a good thing. It'll it'll help people get money. And they're a lot faster to get, cheaper to get.
0: So the, the
1: payback period on that,
0: my guess is that's going to be, the amortization period is going to be shorter than it is uh, for fixed- I
1: think they're typically around five years.
0: Five years? Okay. Uh, that's good to see that they're doing that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. That,
1: And they've increased the guarantee on that from 50% to the bank to 75%.
0: Okay. So that incentivizes the, the bank, bank to make to those make loans, those as, loans well. as well. Yeah. Good. So we've we've talked about equipment loans and Blue Sky, which would be an intangible asset. And now we'll jump to the 504. So the 504 is on real estate, owner-occupied real estate. And that's a that's they do a, equipment too. They do equipment in the yeah. 504 and that's mm-hmm. but that loan is differently is structured different. So explain how that's structured different between so, the five between the SBA and the and the bank.
1: So the 504 it gives the client a ninety percent funding rate at closing. Ninety
0: percent, which that's most if you just go out and get a regular commercial loan is gonna be seventy-five percent value. Uh,
1: and how it's structured is the bank takes 50% as note A. There's two notes you sign here. And then note B uh, the SBA takes you out after 90 days, unless you do the 504 bridge, which there's interim lenders that will come in and take the bank out immediately. Uh, And that, you know, I view that as a credit enhancement for the bank and the client because they get at least 20 year long-term fixed second note on, on that property. And it's fairly cheap. So you don't have to worry about interest rate risk, you got a 20 year term on that so your payments are fixed it it makes the bank underwrite a little easier because we don't have to worry about uh, interest rate risk or any of that on you know the 40% that the SBA takes out in note B
0: yeah so those, those 504 when I, when I see clients that are possibly qualified for that i really encourage them to do that because there's that is such a, a great loan to, loan program to get in right now is the 504 the the uh, the interest rates on the SBA side are going to be, they're they're in the threes right now. If I'm not mistaken, are they even lower than that?
1: Um, I haven't seen one because I've been pretty deep in PPP over the past six weeks. Yeah. But uh, I know they're fairly low right now. Yeah. So
0: the you get that tw- at least a 20-year amortization for the for the SBA part, and the the rates going to be incredibly low, even on the bank 40%. Uh, is probably going to be in the fours at most right now. So you're looking at a, in the threes on half the loan and a four on the other. So the rates are incredibly low.
1: And the second note's long-term fix. I mean, that's right. the big part. That, yeah,
0: that um, long-term fix is a big deal. And even on the bank side, I think the, they're required to at least amortize uh, that over a 10-year period. So that's going to be an attractive uh, payment program as well for the bank side of that 504.
1: And as you know, I mean, the SBA has been making payments for SBA loans. It was six months and then they extended it depending on when you got it and um, how much, what industry. There's, you know, multi-level tiers. So, But uh, they extended most of them for at least three more months of the SBA making payments on your behalf on this. Right. Uh, So that's beneficial to the client. It's often, you know. I'd be lying if I was saying it wasn't beneficial to the bank because it reduces your lien on on that collateral. So I think it's beneficial all around. Yeah. The 504 is a good product.
0: It's a good product, so you have to go through... Is it the CDC that's running those? So there's going to be CDCs in different areas that partner with the bank to to make those 504 loans. Yeah, they're
1: geographically based. um, So it's going to be different in every area, but you have to work with the CDC on a 504 because they work with the SBA to sell bonds um, on that
0: long-term fixed rate. Right. And again, if you're joining us right now, we're looking at the bank side of this and we're talking about another example of how inexpensive money is right now, and and I hate to say it, but it's how easy it is to get loans as well. So um, we're kind of laying some some uh, frontline foundational groundwork for are we in a debt bubble right now. So let's go to, to uh, the second part of that slide, John. SBA Express, you mentioned this so before. So this is
1: the multi-tiered, um, you know, it depends on when you got your SBA loan on how many months they're going to um basically make your payments for you and extend it based off the date and the industry type
0: so this again is the SBA stepping in and and they're not only they're not only like pushing out that the payments are being made and forgiving you for a period of time but they're making the payments for you so yeah
1: and the funny thing on this one which you'll probably enjoy i read a a notice from the SBA that said basically lenders stop shortening amortization to match our payment amounts. <laughs> so I guess people were doing like year notes. So it was, they're like, this is not a grant program. This is a loan program. I was like, you know who thought of that and actually did it? Um, did they know, get it, any of those through? Apparently it's <laughs> a, enough that the SBA sent out a notice, but uh, that, that made me chuckle with like somebody thought of that and then said, I'll risk it and submitted that to yeah. them to, enough that they had to send notice out to SBA lenders saying stop that
0: so that's the ask for forgiveness not for permission they
1: obviously didn't ask for permission yeah <laughs> a bit of uh, humor there with the
0: SBA so and the creativity of uh, some of those business owners out there in the you bank going along with it, it. Yeah. yeah you gotta you gotta respect that creativity anything else highlights here we want to mention
1: no just because it's all variable based on when you got it and what type of business you have so i just i'd look up the the payments that the sba saying they'll make on your behalf uh they're going to do it for a limited amount more time until their um, funding pool runs out all right so you know if you're thinking about looking to it now check the bulletin points to see, you know, what your business will qualify for the SBA to make payments on your behalf. Because uh, they are going to stop it when the funding runs out.
0: So let's see, is there anything left on the, the third page, John? This is the, these are the NAICS codes, um, which are the industry codes that your business is
1: in. And, yeah, that's why I was talking about 72, that's restaurants, that's, uh, the SBAs love right now to try to support all those and the hotels because lack of travel.
0: Right. So, Miles, we have, uh, we've talked about the PPP program, the SBA 504, the 7A program, uh, the SBA express loans. All of these are loans that are geared to, to helping the businesses survive during this difficult time that we've had in 20 and what we've started 21 with so those things probably have a duration that they're going to last is probably uh you're probably good for 21. i know we said the ppp program is going to run out in the end of march assuming they spend all the money then which most likely they will Um, where do you see this going i know the the rates are are extremely low right now and do you see the current administration changing that, those rates, the, the, the Fed chair yeah. changing those rates?
1: I don't think you're going to change rates. Uh, I think they're going to keep those as low as possible. Uh, you know, Janet Yellen, the old Fed chair, is now in charge of the Treasury. Uh, she was the quantitative—they say she was the brains behind Bernanke for quantitative easing. Right. Uh, so I, I don't see her allowing interest rates to increase in the near future. Uh you know, and they probably should stay low so that businesses can afford their debt and you know in in this un- economic uncertainty a little bit. I hope that over the the next year, um some businesses you really take off you know my my business line, the factoring, we help startups and you know people that are rapidly growing, and so I hope that and you know some people that had credit problems because we're we're underwriting their client, and so I, I think that over the next six months there'll be a lot of people coming wanting to finance their ar because either you either they're growing or they had a credit blip during this right um but i don't see rates going up i mean i i do hope that they keep enough stimulus out there to keep you know get us through to the vaccines and people are comfortable to get out there and, and do more and spend more uh, but yeah i, I don't I don't foresee them increasing rates over the next year. That's not an official bank promise, but I I can't see why they would.
0: But I think you would advise people to lock in what they can now on their long-term debt so they get those those guaranteed locked-in rates as long as they can.
1: Yeah, because I, I don't think they're going to go much lower. And so, yeah, I would lock it in. Well, um, I hope g- they don't go below zero. Are, uh, me too. Uh, but, you know, some of these... Are, uh these programs with the stimulus they only last until the legislation's funding run out, and so if you're considering refining or you know financing something long term, the sooner the better because you you don't want the funds to run out for the program that's true um I mean longer than am I debating doing this over the next year? It's well, when I decide to well there'll still be funding for it because I don't know how much the treasury can actually issue debt. Yeah, I think there will be a couple more rounds of of stimulus, put in, of some sort. You know, you don't know that it's going to be directed to businesses. It could be straight to consumer. I mean, that's part of what you don't know about this administration's plan is people are talking, well, if they run out of PPP money, they'll just replenish it. Well, you don't know that. It could be direct to consumer. And so if you are a business and you're looking to fix your interest rate and your cost or want a long-term deal, I would say get it while you can. I mean, because... You don't know this administration is going to be as you know small business focused as uh, we were set up through 2020. Yeah, it could be. It's just no guarantee.
0: It could be, and it's uh, you know what was tacked on with this this 1.9 uh, trillion dollar I'll call it a stimulus plan is the 15 dollars an hour uh, minimum wage across the board in, increase. So that's whether that stays in the in the bill. I don't know, but that's uh, we've seen that in over 30 states so far. Where over 30 states have passed this push to 15. So if they do that on a federal basis, it'll it'll take care of the rest of the states. And you know, in in the state of Florida, we have the benefit of the tip credit, which this federal bill does not does not do that. So that'll really punish businesses even more. So
1: yeah, and I read last night. I don't know if you saw it that the Walton's family net worth dropped by. 13 billion dollars yesterday because walmart agreed to a 15 minimum wage uh, so yeah and that's uh, there's been a lot of discussion so on that business is doing it
0: yeah we see the big big businesses already moving up on the the minimum wage and what that what really happens a lot of people are saying is that the big businesses will survive, the big boxes will survive, but what that does is it just really crushes a small business. If you're in the hospitality industry, if you're a restaurant and you pay tip wages, then it's just gonna be, it's gonna change that business and there's gonna be a lot of businesses that just don't survive it. So uh, it's, it's it's not a good thing. It's another example of government intervention. So we've got all this, the stimulus money out there, we've got the $15 an hour Kind of teed up we've already seen it in states we we hear the the talk about just forgiving student debt so it really makes you wonder where does it stop i mean you, you just can't keep writing checks
1: yeah i mean i think biden said he wasn't going to cancel the student debt yesterday um I, I did read that but the you know if they increase the it's kind of the the thought on the stimulus as a whole if 15 dollars is approved and if we let businesses fail because we don't, you know, stimulate the economy, you know, how's the tax revenue going to be there to pay it back? So it's a I think you have to just walk it back slowly. I don't think you can just cut it off uh, because, you know, you need these businesses to stay alive, whether that's through the, what they can pay in wages um, or just to outlast the virus so that, you know, they're a tax engine for right. the government in the future.
0: Yeah, you got to have these businesses businesses survive, you've got to have them productive to paying normal taxes and they've got to be incentivized to work and to, to generate revenue, not just for themselves, but uh, for th- to generate businesses and jobs for their employees.
1: Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, you know, as far as not an income tax state, but what the businesses pay their people, they have to pay a federal income tax, right? Exactly. And so, you know, you want as many people employed as you can. Uh, and I think that you have to do that by keeping as many businesses open as you can. And, um, why it it may not make logical sense in a statement to say you need to reduce taxes or, you know, keep taxes low to pay off, you know, uh, the debt. I think you do because if you shut down the engines, to you know, generate the tax revenue and you have a few, you can't tax them a hundred percent. Right.
0: Exactly. So go back to the Laffler curve and look at that. So the Laffler was, uh, one of the economic advisors for Ronald Reagan during his term. So that's a subject for another day. But Miles, anything else you want to touch on with Capital City Bank, with the banking industry and the what we're seeing right now on the money side of our e- economy?
1: I would just like to say if you have a bunch of AR, because your clients are taking a little while to pay you and you need the money now, uh, um, Give me a call so we can look at finance and that so your business can continue to grow and you can pay your people.
0: Good. Miles Bradley with Capital City Bank. Thank you so much for being our guest today. It's been a great show that we've had today. I hope that we've brought some great information to you on the PPP loans, the SBA 504, the 7A. If you've got any questions, drop me a note in the comments and we'll get you an answer. I am Charles Musgrove, your host of Answers That Count. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, hit the subscribe, hit the like button. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Peace.